Hi, welcome to Office Hours with Janelle Vu and Anil Desange. We go over mix-up internal medicine questions with expert IM docs in the field here at UC Davis. Hi everyone, my name is Sanya Venegopal and I'm an associate professor here at UC Davis in the Division of Cardiology and I'm here to review some basic fundamental cardiology board review questions with you. All right, this is item 24 from the cardiovascular section of MixApp 5. A 56-year-old man is evaluated in the ED for chest discomfort that began three hours ago. He describes the pain, which is well localized to the left chest, as pressure. He denies prior episodes. Medical history is notable for type 2 diabetes and hyperlipidemia. Meds are aspirin, metformin, and atorvastatin. On physical exam, he is diaphoretic. Blood pressure is 95 over 60, and heart rate is 110. There is jugular venous distension with an estimated central venous pressure of 14. An S3 is heard on cardiac auscultation, but no murmurs are present. The lung fields are clear, and there is no peripheral edema. The EKG shows sinus tachycardia, 2 millimeter ST segment elevation in leads 2, 3, and AVF, and 0.5 millimeter ST elevation in lead V1. The chest radiograph is normal. Which of the following is the most likely cause of hypotension in this patient? A, increased vagal tone. B, pericardial tamponade. C, right ventricular infarction. Or D, ventricular septal defect. So this is actually a very good question and a very important aspect of chest pain that I think is important to know. Since you know that this is a 56-year-old gentleman, he's been having chest discomfort for about three hours. It's well localized, and it's a pressure sensation. He denies any prior symptoms. His cardiac risk factors are diabetes and hyperlipidemia, and he's on aspirin, metformin, and Lipitor. The key here is his physical exam findings. You notice that he's diaphoretic. He is relatively hypotensive with a pressure of 95 over 60, and he's tachycardic with a heart rate of 110. More specifically, he has an elevated jugular venous distension, and an S3 is heard on cardiac exam. His lung fields are completely clear, and there's no peripheral edema. The EKG is significant for ST elevations in leads 2, 3, and AVF, which are your inferior leads and correlate to the right coronary artery distribution. So given this particular picture, my concern would be that this patient is having a right ventricular infarction, with the correct answer being C. The reasons for this is he is currently having a right coronary artery distribution ST elevation MI, or an inferior wall MI. The diagnosis should be considered given that he is clinically hypotensive, has clear lung fields, and an elevated jugular venous pulse. The key here would be to diagnose the patient with a right ventricular infarct, and that can be actually obtained by obtaining right-sided EKGs. And what we're looking for is ST segment elevations in leads V3R and V4R. Patients who come in with an inferior wall myocardial infarction or an inferior wall STEMI are preload dependent. And therefore, it's not uncommon to see them being clinically relatively hypotensive. So the normal medications that we give someone for STEMI, such as nitroglycerin, can drop their blood pressure even more. So it's important to monitor these patients to make sure that you don't drop their blood pressure with the standard medications that we often give them.
When I see a patient coming in with an inferior wall STEMI, I automatically aim for that right-sided EKG because it gives us a lot more information about what's going on with the right ventricle. Treatment for this patient would consist of rapid restoration of blood flow to the right ventricle, and that can be obtained either with primary percutaneous coronary intervention or with thrombolytic therapy, depending on the institution that you're at. As I had mentioned, these patients are preload dependent, and so they may need aggressive volume management, including IV normal saline, to increase the filling of the right ventricle. In some cases, they may also need inotropic support with dopamine or dibutamine if hypotension persists. Also keep in mind that the sinus node and the AV nodal arteries come off the right coronary artery. So it is not uncommon for patients who present with an inferior STEMI to be bradycardic or possibly even have worsening symptoms such as complete heart block. So I saw one of the answers listed here is increased vagal tone, and I think that increased vagal tone can be seen with inferior wall MIs. So how can we rule that out as a diagnosis here in this question? You're right, absolutely. Increased vagal tone can cause bradycardia and decreased right ventricular preload, resulting in hypotension, especially early on in the course of a myocardial infarction. Although increased vagal tone is commonly associated with an inferior wall MI. In this case, keep in mind that the patient was actually tachycardic, which is suggesting a very different diagnosis. Great. And then the other two answers seem a little bit off base, at least to me. Um, But if we saw a ventricular septal defect or pericardial tamponade, I'd imagine that the patient would present differently. Yes, that's actually a very key point here. In patients who present with a ventricular septal defect, keep in mind that they most likely will have a new systolic murmur. They could be hypotensive, and they actually would most likely be in some sort of pulmonary distress uh, following the onset of the initial myocardial infarction, depending on when that actually occurred. Uh, So it is not exceedingly uncommon for patients who have a ventricular um, septal defect unless symptoms of chest pain were present several days ago. In regards to pericardial tamponade, most likely this is from a free wall rupture in the right ventricular free wall rupture leading to sudden hypotension and eventually death. Free wall rupture is the second only to heart failure as the most common cause of death for patients who have a myocardial infarction and subsequent complications of a myocardial infarction. We tend to see free wall ruptures about one to four days after an acute MI, and it is unlikely for pericardial tamponade to present upon initial presentation unless the patient has been also having chest pain for several days prior to presentation. So the primary take-home point is that in the setting of an inferior wall myocardial infarction, the classic triad of hypotension, clear lung fields, and elevated JVP is very suggestive of a right ventricular infarction. If you do notice that, keep in mind that these patients are preload dependent and a right-sided EKG would help you further evaluate the right ventricle. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for being here. And one last question we had was, do you have a plug for cardiology and um, why would you recommend students go into internal medicine? Well, I'm a little biased given that I'm already a cardiologist, but yes, one of the most amazing fields is cardiology um, and internal medicine. I think what drove me to 
internal medicine and subsequently to cardiology was that how amazingly evolved this field is today. So these patients who normally would not be able to get a particular therapy are now able to get it uh, more from a percutaneous standpoint. And I think there's something to be said about a little bit of an intellectual cuteness um, about the heart. The heart is the most amazing organ uh, out there, I think. And so internal medicine is an amazing field. The nice thing about it is that there's so many bread and butter things about internal medicine as well as the opportunities uh, to subspecialize depending on uh, what you're interested in. And really, the, the field is wide open, and the, the field of medicine in general is changing dramatically every single day. So it's an exciting time for all of you guys to be in medicine, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Office Hours with Janelle and Anil. This was recorded and edited by us Us. and made possible by UC Davis Doctoring 4.